Hello and welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. Thank you for listening. We are in the midst of the 21-day challenge, 21 podcasts in 21 days with 21 minutes of new content each day. We are available on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and we'd also like to give a shout out to all of our buddies. That would be Jason Albert TV on YouTube, Weird Tennessee on Facebook, and of course, Shift Ender Podcast with Drew McSalty on all the aforementioned platforms. Okay, folks, if you hear a little bit of noise in the background, that's because the heater is roaring hot. And the reason why that's going on is because, well, frankly, it's cold where I am, and I'm old, and I don't like to be cold. So, that's why I've got the heater going. I'm going to try to do a little noise reduction. Hopefully, that'll take care of it. But anyway, we're going to jump right into today's podcast, and today we're going to be doing a little news versus news. Stand by for that one. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the spectacular K. P.S. Arena. The World News Boxing Association is proud to present heavyweight action. Let's get ready to rumble. Okay, straight up, we're going to go to Breitbart News. That'll be the conservative or the rightest side of the politics today. And we're going to read the first article going on on Breitbart is Nancy Pelosi, conspiracy theorist. What does Putin have on Trump? She actually asked that question. She tweeted it out and said that Putin must have something on Trump. She's implying a bunch of stuff. She's full of piss and vinegar right now because she's kind of won the day whenever it comes to the uh, government shutdown. So I guess she's feeling like she can uh, use her bully pulpit and get some things done. Well, let's see how that goes. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat from California. By the way, I found out that she's worth about $100 million. That's incredible to me. I don't understand why people who are worth that much money can sit around and say that they're a champion of the people or the little guy because that just doesn't seem right to me. But anyway, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, published a statement and a series of tweets on Friday suggesting that Russian, Russian President Vladimir Putin was controlling President Donald Trump through the use of secrets about him. She also alleged top Trump campaign officials attempted to influence the 2016 election and subvert the will of the American people. These are quotes referring to the indictment Friday of Roger Stone, who played a minor role in the campaign. Pelosi's uh, claims repeat the accusations of the so-called Russian dossier, an uncorroborated document produced by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, through the Fusion GPS opposition research firm, based on information from a former British spy, that sounds very convoluted to me, relying on Russian government sources and funded illicitly through the Perkins Cole law firm in payments that were not properly declared to the Federal Elections Commission. The dossier provided the basis for surveillance of Trump campaign associates by the Federal Bureau of Investigation after the document was presented to a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court, that'd be a FISA court, without specifically identifying the political provenance of the research whose claims were never verified. If you get a FISA warrant, you have to have uh, be able to show 
what they call provenance. That is to say you're supposed to be able to find a justifiable reason for getting the warrant. And there are some people out there who have said that whenever they got this FISA warrant and the FBI was investigating all these people in the Trump campaign, they were going on whatever this dossier contained which was a document that was made by this former British spy that was hired by the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. I don't know how that's going to come out, but come on down and read one more paragraph here. It says, despite nearly two years of investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller, no evidence has been found of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. The media, however, have pounced on every new shred of information about the investigation as if it might provide the elusive proof, and Democrats are using their new investigative powers in the U.S. House of Representatives to pursue the charges with some urging impeachment. Pelosi did not mention any of the numerous actions taken by the Trump administration against Putin and Russia. She also did not mention the many attempts by the Obama administration to appease Russia with Democratic Party support in the 2012 election. That is true. You know, with all this um, Russian collusion investigation that's going on about Trump, I do specifically remember an open mic being on President Obama and him saying that he would have he would have more flexibility after the 2012 election because he thought that he was going to win the election. Of course, he did, but he felt like he felt confident that he was going to win, and he told him that he would have more flexibility. And he was the inference was that he was going to be able to do more for Russia. Let me see if I can find that. Obama was far from Washington today in South Korea for a summit with world leaders on nuclear security. But he couldn't escape presidential politics, not after a live microphone picked up a comment that he made to the Russian president. Senior White House correspondent Bill Plant is traveling with the president in Seoul tonight. Bill? Scott, President Obama and outgoing Russian President Medvedev were still deep in conversation as cameras were ushered into the room. And President Obama was overheard giving Medvedev a very candid political assessment of his ability to deal with the major problems between the U.S. and Russia. All of the issues can be solved, the president told Medvedev, but he stressed that it was particularly important for incoming Russian President Vladimir Putin to give him space on the missile defense system which the U.S. and NATO want to install in Europe. This is my last election, please. Yeah, and after my election, I have more flexibility. Okay, the audio wasn't very good, but he was actually talking to the outgoing president of Russia, Medvedev, but he was talking about Putin, and he said, this is my last election. After my election, I have more flexibility. Then Medvedev responded, I understand. I will transmit this information to Vladimir Putin, and I stand with you. So there's some collusion. All right, let's go on to the next story. Okay, Breitbart's second story is that Chris Christie has not ruled out a primary run against Trump in 2020. Never say never. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is refusing to rule out primary a primary contest with President Donald Trump in 2020. Speaking before the 2019 Desert Town Hall series in Indian Wells, California this week, Christie said that while he doesn't envision himself mounting a bid against Trump, he told attendees, never say never. Christie, who is on a media blitz promoting his soon-to-be-released memoir, Let Me Finish, 
ended his 2016 presidential run following a disappointing finish in the New Hampshire primary and later endorsed Trump. In his remarks, the former governor also criticized the White House's handling of the partial government shutdown, which drew to a close Friday after the president and congressional leaders agreed to reopen it until February the 15th. Okay, here's the thing about Chris Christie. He has a lot of baggage. He's got too much baggage to be able to run for president, really. Uh, he had a big snafu go on up in New Jersey, and uh, it was something about a highway, and I don't rem- I don't remember all of this. This is New Jersey politics. But the, the thing about it is, is there was a lot of accusations about bribes being made and that sort of thing, and it, it's really bad and sticky and just generally not a good thing for him. So I don't think he's really got a primary race in him against Trump. I think he's just trying to generate some attention for his book. That's my opinion about it, and this is my show, so, you know, my opinion counts. So, there you go. Number three for Breitbart, and we're only going to do three on each one today. Number three for Breitbart, Megan McCain says, I hate America without my father's leadership. I'm just going to tell you right now, just in my humble opinion about John McCain, I just didn't particularly care for the man. I never particularly cared for him. I never thought that he stood firm on on issues i had a lot of respect for people who stand firm on issues whether i agree with them or not i have respect for them take for example uh george w bush who did a whole bunch of things that was just asinine and stupid in my opinion especially uh getting us into two different wars which definitely should have never been in iraq maybe afghanistan of course after 9-11 that was understandable but iraq no, we should have never been there. Uh, those people, they elected him. They should have been able to just deal with him. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying about it, I respected the man because he stood by his convictions. He he was unwavering in the whole thing, and I like that. Now, John McCain, on the other hand, is kind of wishy-washy. He, whenever he was uh, in the Senate, he'd come out and, with guns a-blazing, you know, and bam, 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 make a lot of noise, but he wasn't hitting any targets, and then he'd put his guns away. That's how I saw John McCain. I know a lot of people like him, and if you did, that's fine, but I didn't care much for him. Anyway, Megan McCain, who is, she's on that co-host of the Gab Fest there, The View, where uh, old Whoopi and uh, Joy Behar is on there, too. She's the uh, right-sided view, or the conservative view on the panel, which is bunch of horse shit but anyway megan mccain co-host of abc's the view and daughter of the late senator john mccain republican from arizona told cnn's van jones in an interview broadcast saturday that she hates the united states without her father's leadership part of the transcript reads van jones says what have you learned about grieving and what have you learned since your father passed that you wish more americans who all of us faces at some point knew And she responded, the first thing I have to say is that I'm surrounded with support. Everywhere I go, somebody has an antidote, 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 I believe is what that's supposed to be, but they've got antidote in here. They've got an antidote. They've got an antidote. Maybe she was poisoned. Anyway, an anecdote. They want to tell me about my dad. It's a gift to have that because he's always present in me. He's clearly present in a lot of other people's lives as well. I think he would be terribly pissed if I walked around that way and be hurt. But I learned that grief is a very toxic 
taboo subject. It makes people very uncomfortable. I am almost five months out since he passed, and I'm sad every single day. I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing that. I have moments where I think that I just can't do anything anymore without him, and it's a weird place to be in. In many different ways, as a daughter, I'm grieving, and I'm sad. As an American, I hate this country without him in it. I know that sounds awful. I don't hate America. I just hate it without his leadership, and I'm very sad at all, all the time. And I'm struggling with that sadness. I miss him in ways I could never have even fathomed. And then I try to say, what would my dad say? And he'd say, we're McCain's. And we don't feel sorry for ourselves, and we're blessed. Get up and keep fighting, Megan. That's what I kind of do every day. And some days are better than others. Well, I'll just say this. Both my mother and father have both passed away. They've been gone a very long time. My mother died in 1994. My dad died in 1996. And uh, they were young. Mom was just 54. Dad was just 63. And I'm just going to say that I miss my mother's friendship for sure because she and I talked about a lot of things and she was a counsel for me. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, was somebody who I always saw his opinion about things. Not necessarily a counsel about things because he was a bit rough with me and he didn't, he wasn't the most, uh, you know, he wasn't a fun-loving dad. He didn't go out and shoot hoops with me or anything like that. But if I had a problem, if I had a situation where I was wondering what I was going to do about something, he would give me his opinion about it. And sometimes I took that opinion and ran with it and said that's what I'm going to do and sometimes I went a different route but I always enjoyed to hear what he had to say about something and for a long time after that I'm talking about for maybe two three years after that I'd be riding down the road and I'd be thinking about something and maybe trying to make some kind of a decision in my life or whatever some something like that and I'd think to myself just just without thinking I mean without putting it together in my head i would just say to myself yeah i need to go by and see what dad thinks about that and then as soon as that thought would go into my head immediately i would understand that i couldn't ever do that again and it would make me sad so i understand where she's coming from and i don't disrespect her father he's a you know war hero he served in the senate he was a great man i didn't particularly care for him but i'm not saying you know that he should be disrespected was her daddy and i understand i understand somebody missing their daddy well we're gonna have to visit another news organization tomorrow because we're coming up on about i guess about 18 minutes now and i promised the unknown redneck he'd be able to say a little bit before we get out of here so i'm gonna let the unknown redneck talk and we did the conservative side today we did a little three little stories this 21 minute uh format doesn't allow me to do all the segments that i want to do uh, when we get off the 21 day challenge maybe we'll come back to that but anyway right now we're just going to let the unknown redneck give us a little update and then we'll come back for closing remarks stick around for that hey friends unknown redneck here on kevin's podcast show friends i have done been found out that's right cheryl has done figured out that i'm trying to send them youngins on their honeymoon to mexico on the cruise ship and she's tickled to death about it and i just about am worried to death that she's just about to go tell somebody because she's about to pop she can't stand it she's more excited than i believe them youngins will be whenever i tell them and anyhow what she don't know is i'm gonna try to take her and me on a trip too 
and that'll be a good surprise for her, because she won't be expecting that. Anyhow, whatever you do, don't tell Kurt Angle, because now that little foolish thing will go out and tell everybody, because he ain't got no sense, and he sure ain't got no good-looking hair in that old blue hair. It's starting to work itself out a little bit. I guess whatever he put on there might have been some kind of temporary thing or whatever. But anyhow, it's kind of uh, washing out, and it's doing a little better now, and I told him he better not put no more color in his head until after his sister gets married. Because I ain't having a bunch of pictures of him 25, 30 years from now looking in through the book and going, Who's that blue-haired feller? And I'm going to say, Youngin, that's your daddy. Whenever he's about 18 years old, he didn't got no sense and he colored his hair blue. And I don't even know if he'll be with that little Joanne girl uh, much longer anyhow. And him sitting around eating a hamburger behind her back and her trying to eat just vegetables and stuff like that. She's a little vegan girl, a little vegetarian girl or whatever. And I ain't got no argument with that. Less steak she eats, the more steak I get to eat. But anyhow... That's a little update. Now, what I've did is I'm snuck in a little thing. You see, Cheryl don't know nothing about. We're going to go on a cruise, talk to my boss down there. I'm going to be able to work a little extra down there and make another check or two and be able to get it all planned out and all fixed. Now that they've got that dress decision made and all that such a thing, well, the household has settled down a little bit. So that's where we are right now. We've just been... just trying to live and do a little thing. And I tell you what, next week I believe I'm going to take Kurt Angle and that little Frenchy feller, Jean-Luc, Gene Luke, out there on the water. And I believe we're going to try to catch us a few striped bass. And I'll let y'all know how that goes. But anyhow, that's a little quick update from the Unknown Redneck. And you know where I am. Well, we'd have gone if I ain't getting just a little bit jealous of the unknown redneck. Gonna go get himself a cruise and go down to Mexico. Taking Cheryl down there with him and sending Starla Jean and John Luke down that way. I think that's pretty nice of him. He'll have to work a little hard for that, but I guess it'll be all right. Hey, folks, we're coming up on the end of the podcast here. I've got about another 60 seconds or so, so we're going to talk about a couple of things real quick. I just want you to know that I really do appreciate you all listening to my show. It means a lot to me. It really does, and I want to thank you. And I want to give a shout-out to my cousin Suzette. Suzette's been wonderful. She's shared my post, and uh, she has legions of fans on the Facebook out there, and she's been really supportive, and I sure do appreciate that. And I appreciate my buddy Drew McSalty and his uh, cohort, Andy Pratt, have been helping me out on Facebook there. Super nice guys. Uh, I want you to listen to their podcast it's called the Shift Ender Podcast with Drew McSalty. Don't forget that my other buddy, Jason Albert, he's on uh, YouTube. You can just put in the search bar there, Jason Albert TV, all one word, and you'll get his page. He has some quirky, funny humor, and uh, I certainly do appreciate it. I find his humor to be hilarious. He also is a pretty dang good rapper. And don't forget Weird Tennessee on Facebook. That's where I get some of these Weird Tennessee stories that I certainly enjoy. Okay, folks, we're coming up on the end. I want to thank you once again for being at the 21-Day Challenge. 21 podcast in 21 days with 21 minutes of content. New, brand spanking new each day. Okay, this one's not been such a great podcast, but hey, they can't all be winners. I'll just tell you right now, you're probably going to hear a little fan motor in the background, and that, again, is from the heater because, daggone if it ain't cold this morning. I'm going to try to do a little noise reduction, maybe cut that out, and if it's if it does show up, sorry. It's the best I can do. Anyway, thank y'all for listening. See you, bye. <laughs>
fire station. <laughs> Fuck, I hate firefighters. They can fillet my ding-dong. I know it's not a popular position, and nor am I about to state in a particularly pleasant terminology, but firefighters are the abortions of first responders. Wow, you're super mad about firemen. I mean, consider this. What is a firefighter? They don't have the combat training of police. Nowhere near the medical knowledge of a paramedic. What are they? But ladder jockeys lodged in a purgatory of purpose. Remember, I mean, this is an occupation that people historically volunteered for. <laughs> really? The abortions of first responders? Called a clever turn of phrase, son. Read a book. 